Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored and so excited to have William Stillman and Rebecca Ostel-Klassen on the show. Um, They're here today because I've interviewed both of them and I saw an interview where the two of them were were just taking questions together and it was so inspiring and the energy, I could just feel the energy in my heart as I listened to these two. So I love both of you guys. I'm so happy to have you here. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Rebecca or Becky is an occupational therapist, Reiki master teacher, award-winning author, and inspirational speaker. She had no psychic or spiritual experience when she discovered her ability to communicate with her deceased brother. Becky struggled with how her spiritual awakening could mesh with the practical everyday world. After 20 years of spiritual exploration, Becky sold her large rehabilitation practice and she wrote her book, Change Maker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life. Changemaker has received five national book awards. Becky teaches empowering after-death communication workshops and Reiki trainings worldwide, also in the medical community. She provides individual coaching for those wishing to communicate with their deceased loved ones. And William is amazing. Psychic William Stillman is the internationally known award-winning author of the Autism and the God Connection book trilogy that explores aspects of spiritual giftedness in many people with autism. His other books of the paranormal genre include The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives, Conversations with Dogs, A Psychic Reveals What Our Canine Companions Have to Say, and another book, Under Spiritual Siege. Since 2004, Bill has worked professionally as a psychic and spiritual counselor. Welcome to the program, William and Becky. Thanks Thank so much. It's so exciting to have you. Um, so let's just jump right in. And William, what have you learned about transitioning from the souls, the actual transition period? Can I just say for just a moment, Marla, how thrilled I am not only to be back on your program, but also to be back with Becky, whom I haven't seen in over a year now, at least. And um, she and I actually knew one another in a whole different capacity um, prior to uh, rediscovering uh, ourselves and uh, what we are able to do for others in a spiritual capacity. So um, I'm I'm tickled and delighted to be here with her. She, you were talking about the great energy. That's all her. I mean, she <laughs> she has the most amazing, um, effervescent, buoyant, 
type of personality. And if you didn't know her, you might think it's sort of a put on, but it's not. And it's really authentic. This is her. And, um, you know, I'm just a flat line. And so um, it's always like she always lifts me up, always being around her always pulls me up. So I just wanted to interject. that. <laughs> but um, hold on. I need yes, to interject. Okay. Bill, I, turn Becky. <laughs> Bill, I am so excited to see you. You are so empowering and so exciting. And it is a blast to see you on Zoom. I mean, I'm like, all right, Bill, way to go, man. It is great to be here with you. And Mala, thank you so much for putting us together. And now I'm going to turn it back to you, Bill. But that was okay. very lovely to have so you share that. So there's a mutual, that. there's a little love fest going on here. Yes, but, um... yes, I feel it. I, I can feel it in my heart, man. <laughs> but Becky, uh, Becky's terrific. But um, your question was about what have I learned about transitioning? Well, yeah. I, I want to let folks know that, you know, I've only been doing work as a psychic medium since I was in my 40s. So very late bloomer. And Marla, we may have talked about that process in one of the other shows that we did. Mm -hmm. But um, I have learned a lot and I continue to learn a lot from other people's loved ones who have passed on and whom I am channeling. And it has been absolutely fascinating to get a, a, a glimpse of what I think human beings are permitted or allowed to get a glimpse of. I think there's a bit of a firewall at some point, yeah. but um, through the eyes of other people's loved ones. And um, it, is, it is nothing but humbling and, and gracious and redeeming and um, just a, a, a gorgeous awakening of sensitivity and vision that we are able to experience. And uh, as I said, it's just been intriguing and, and truly fascinating. Right. During the transition period, I've heard others say that there's this grand reunion and um, have you have you heard that from from loved ones that who have passed? A grand reunion in terms of a, a, a reunification with other people. Yeah, welcoming welcoming them back home in the afterlife. Um, not specifically. I'm not questioning that it doesn't occur. Right. But what tends to happen for me as a psychic medium is I'll I'll tap one energy, and the curious thing is that. It's not always the soul energy of someone the client has necessarily known, which is really fascinating. It's absolutely a family member, but they, they may not have known them or they only knew them very briefly. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, that's the way it works. And then they'll sometimes bring, bring forward other people. But um, it... I, I, I think people who probably listen to your program know well enough that the impressions that I receive are not as crystal clear as looking at a photograph. Right. So I have sort of general impressions of who may be there. But um, what I have found is that there are common themes oftentimes, and there are reasons why sometimes these seemingly random or obscure ancestors come forward there's purpose to it, there's meaning to it because it correlates to um, a person who is still here or it correlates to a situation that the client is finding him or herself in. So it, it, it does make sense eventually. Right. Well, Mala, can I, would yes. you mind if I said something? 
Absolutely not. You're next. Bill, I love listening to you. Like, this is such a blast to do this with you. When you were talking, Mala, about a reunion, I have a good story to share about that, if it's all right. Absolutely. So my dad passed, and a friend of his named Marilyn recently passed. And Marilyn was a very good family member of our family. And so I went to the funeral and Marilyn came right through. And it was actually a curious experience if I wouldn't, I could even say it was a funny experience because Marilyn's talking to me in my head while we're going through the service. And it was a, um, a, a church service. And she was not pleased with the hymn that was being sang, sung. And she said, this is the wrong hymn. It's absolutely incorrect. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is really quite something. So anyway, after the service, I um, said my sorrows to the family and such. And that night I was in meditation and I closed my eyes and Marilyn was there surrounded by three men. And she had been married twice. And so I thought, my gosh, I wonder who that third man is. When you were talking about a reunion, it seemed like an interesting um, relationship. So, so I'm looking at Marilyn with these three men, and they're all very loving and happy. And, and it was clearly in the afterlife. And my dad was there, and dad was on the side. And so Marilyn said to dad, come on over, Steve, come on over and be with us. And, and my dad's a counselor. And so he said, no, I just want to enjoy seeing you um, pass. I just want to enjoy seeing you with this experience. And so, so it was really quite a lovely um, scene. There's all these lights and there was sparkles and it was beautiful energy and lots of love. So the next morning, I called up a friend of mine who was Marilyn's daughter. And I said, um, uh, so I said to the daughter, I saw your mom last night and I shared what happened in church and things like that. And I said, you know, I know your mom's married, was married twice, but I was wondering if you had any idea who this third man was. And the daughter said she was married three times. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it is so interesting to receive validation and to trust yourself enough to be able to share it. And I'm like, okay, cool. That was totally awesome. So in that respect, there was a grand reunion happening. And I think also, if I can just interject, I think a lot of times um, people who are still here don't don't completely realize that when we get to where we're going, in order to be there, we release any um, bitterness or resentments that we may have harbored. And so I don't know if all of Marilyn's marriages were, you know, great, but where they are now, everyone is uh, simpatico, you know, everyone is, um, is united and they are probably part of the same group that has been around together before. This whole group, yeah. I agree. And they're filled with love. You know, when you ask what it's like, it's love. And it's so amazing to be able to feel and experience this all-encompassing love. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, I know, Rebecca, that you um, had your vision when you first started this journey, riding the horse and the around Christmas and, and seeing your brother. Can you, can you just tell us that story? Because my, my next question is, what have you learned that it's like in heaven, you know? I, and so go ahead. 
I'm a science-based occupational therapist. And that's how Bill and I met. We met as with, with me being an OT and he was a guest speaker a lot of times at my company, absolutely fantastic. And so I didn't know about the afterlife. I didn't even know that it was possible. My brother passes and I learned how to communicate with him. He, I saw him, I saw my grandparents, my friends that had passed, it was absolutely phenomenal. And there was no question. I had never, ever, ever had any experience like this before, but there was no question that I was communicating with my brother. And so I looked for a teacher, found a teacher, kept it quiet. And then like 10 years later, Bill and I were backstage at a Pennsylvania Occupational Therapy Conference. He was the keynote speaker. And somehow I must have said to Bill, you know, I learned how to talk to my brother. And Bill says, well, you do know I'm a medium, don't you? And I had no idea. And so it really has been phenomenal. You know, I think the, the big the big takeaway for me is that we need to believe that it's real because sometimes our mind gets in the way. I'd say most of the time, our mind gets in the way of our heart and our heart is what we I believe, learn to use even more on this earth because we have heart-centered energy and it's the energy of love. And it's been such a glorious experience to not only share the love from the afterlife, but share the love on earth. And a couple of years ago, I started signing my professional emails with love. And I thought, you know, this is going to be interesting to see because <laughs> professionally, I mean, I do have a professional business, but I thought, you know, let me just sign these emails with love. And the first year, nothing really happened. And then the second year, which was last year, people started responding with love. And you know, the more you share, the more you give and get, and it, it's just a wonderful feeling. So it's been really quite a blast. I haven't been as fortunate as Becky has been to have like a, a real-time standing vision that she experienced, but I have had um, two or three dreams where I have been in the presence of a, a mentor or a, a primary guide or an overseer. And I have also been on the, the outskirts or the edge of the heavenly realm. And then earlier I said, there's a firewall. So, you know, we're not supposed to really know a whole lot about what's beyond that. But um, I can tell you that it was absolutely amazing experience, experience. It was experiential. It was a magnification of, of all of the senses and sensations and emotions beyond what we know here. And I remember, uh, actually, there was sort of this beautiful um, meadow dotted with wildflowers and a forest of evergreens and a waterfall beyond that. And I don't commiserate with or, you know, have colleagues that I um, interact with who do what I do. I just do me. But I was shocked to, le to learn that other people who do what I do have seen the same place and they have a name for it. It's called Summerland. But I remember seeing the waterfall and becoming part of the waterfall and experiencing being the water just by looking at it just by observing it. So it, it really is ex extraordinary. I, I would love to add on to that. When the very last 
event that I did in person before the COVID pandemic shut us all down was with Bill. And Bill and I did a three-hour afternoon workshop on after-death communication. And I had never talked to anybody about this summer land. And Bill started talking about it. And I've had the exact same feeling and location. And I thought, holy mackerel. And it is so magnificent. As you described, Bill, you're so fun to listen to. As you described so eloquently about us being able to merge with the water and merge with the flowers and merge with the grass. It is, it's a phenomenally relaxing, loving, wonderful experience. And that happens all the time in the afterlife. And it happens here on earth when we're able to connect. It's really quite something. You know, I found that um, transitioning from the physical realm to the spiritual realm, it's not a one size fits all process. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there are some of us that have been through it many times before, and we go, you know, shooting, shooting straight out of our body and down the tunnel and there we are. And then there are others that it's sort of need a little bit more time to get acclimated and so on. And my, my understanding, my impression, and I could be wrong, is that summer land is sort of an in-between area where people, it's, it's not so foreign to us in appearance to cause us to be um, confused or disoriented. It actually looks very familiar. And um, I have seen people's loved ones come toward them from across the field. I have seen people's dogs come bounding toward them from across the field. And the sensation of the reunion is so irresistible that you can't help but to want to follow them the rest of the way. So I think it's sort of a, um, an aco- a compassionate accommodation is a phrase that I've used in the past. I love that. Uh, well, just that is quite a reunion in itself being met by by loved ones who are there and animals. (laughs) How wonderful that is. So let's talk a little bit about um, vibration and frequency. When you are meditating, I know that many times you can raise your your frequency or raise your vibration and and possibly have some of these kinds of experiences. Um, What just talk about that a little bit, how when people are on the other side that they are here, it's not really here, there, it's just a different frequency. Yeah, you're at, which one of us are you asking? I'm asking you. I see. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm a big advocate of keeping it real. And I think that um, not everything is something. And that's a phrase that I'm fond of saying, because I think sometimes people can become overly preoccupied with this topic to the point of distraction that is unhealthy. And then they start becoming detached from people around them. So I'm all about like staying grounded and keeping it real. Um, I also wanna let folks know that I stink at meditation and um, I, <laughs> Love you, my mind wanders. And um, I had tried previously listening to guided meditations, which I think are really great for people like me who can't stay on track because someone then narrates it for you. And I remember making the mistake of um, lying down with my little terrier at the time to listen. And, you know, the goal of meditation is you're not supposed to fall asleep. Well, within, you know, less than 10 minutes, my, my dog and I were both like, (laughs) you know, zoned out. But having said that, um, there is for me, 
there is a process that I enter into in order to, um, I wanna say turn on, because I, I think it's very important that people listening understand that folks who are psychics or psychic mediums should not be turned on 24 seven. It's not like they make it look on television. And so I turn on and there's a process that I go through to do that. And I don't wanna take up time to explain it. But then when I'm done working, I also turn off and there's a process by which I do that as well. So the turning on to your question, Marla, I think um, raises the frequency and sets the intentions. And I'm, I'm very measured and very um, organized and very methodical in stating this is the way it's gonna roll. This is what I'm expecting. And uh, anyone that whom I will be channeling is expected to come through specific to each person separate and apart from one another. So there's not gonna be any crossed wires here. I said, okay, I say, okay, gang, we're gonna do this in a very org organized, methodical fashion. <laughs> and that's accommodated. I set the rules, I set the standards by setting the intentions. And then when I'm done, I turn off. And I have a little bit of a different take on that. And Bill, I love being here with you. And I know I've said that about three times already. And I will continue to say it because it is so fun listening to how you do this. Because I do it a little bit differently. And I want to tell you a little story about it. I teach Reiki. And Reiki can raise our vibrational energy. And you can learn Reiki in one day. And so when I was getting ready to have my book published, um, Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, which meant I was coming out, I was going to share the fact that I can do this. I almost pulled out of the book that I was an occupational therapist because I didn't necessarily think it was a good idea for people that read this book to think possibly that all occupational therapists talk to dead people. Like I didn't think that was a good idea. And so I wasn't really sure whether I was going to say I was an OT or not. I went to an American OT annual conference. And at this annual conference, there was a poster on spirituality. And I stood in front of that poster for about 10 minutes and thought, holy mackerel, there is a place for what happened with me when I learned to talk to my brother in occupational therapy. So at that point, I decided to submit a proposal to teach Reiki, level one was the first year at the American OT conference and it had never been done before. And lo and behold, it got accepted. So then the next year, I thought, well, there's really two major days to learn Reiki, which is in itself extraordinary. You have Reiki level one, where you get your energy activated in one day. You have Reiki level two, where you learn why it works. And that's essentially it. So I thought, all right, let me see if I can present Reiki level one and Reiki level two at AOTA annual conference. And lo and behold, it got accepted. So I've been teaching at AOTA Reiki for the last five years. Well, in 2017, Duquesne University called me up and they're in Pittsburgh. And they said, hey, Beck, a number of our faculty went to your Reiki training, and we very much would like you to come and teach our entire graduating OT student body Reiki. And I'm like, oh, yes, that would be awesome. And so then they said, would you mind if the next day we invited practitioners, whether they're occupational therapists, physical therapy, students, nurses, social workers, whatever, to come also to receive Reiki level one training? I said, oh, no, 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 that'd be great. 
And so in one weekend, 70 people received Reiki level one training. They had their Reiki energy activated. 20%, 15 people in one weekend had after death communication experiences. 15 people. And I thought, holy mackerel, this really does facilitate after death communication. And it's been very exciting. I now travel all over the country and hopefully the world and, and I teach Reiki and you can learn to do this in one day. And there's all sorts of ways to make sure that it's done appropriately. And you ask people how to, you get people's permission and we surround ourselves with the white light of love. But my gosh, it really does raise our vibrational energy and it facilitates communication with our loved ones as well as providing healing, reducing pain, stress and anxiety. So there is a, um, a possibility that people can, can raise their vibrational energy and facilitate afterlife communication. So Becky, these um, people and you, when you are an, working in the OT profession and you have a person that you're working with that you think that would benefit from Reiki, do you talk to them about it or do, do you give it to them without telling them? Or how, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no yeah, that's an excellent question, actually. How does that work? Yep. Because we are sharing energy. And so always, 100% of the time, we must receive the client's permission, the client, the family, the friend, the animal, the plant, whoever it is, we always need to ask, always, because it's not up to, to the practitioner to decide that it's appropriate to receive, to send healing, because it's really, what Reiki does is it uses the energy from the universe. And so so I, I ask the client's permission and hopefully they'll say yes. If they say no, it's totally fine. There's no need for me to say, well, why don't you think of it? You know, try it anyway. I mean, we just, it's people have the right to live their own lives, but let's say people give permission and they say, well, what is Reiki? And I say, well, Reiki uses your, your own natural energy in order to heal. And so essentially what happens is the energy from the universe comes through me as the Reiki practitioner towards the client, and it's the client's own energy that heals. And if the client's not there, like if we're doing long distance Reiki or actually healing people that are in the afterlife or however this is happening, we can still receive permission. And so it's really been quite a fascinating technique to use and complementary modalities have actually been part of the occupational therapy practice since 2005. The way I teach it is that I, I do it as part of occupational therapy or physical therapy or nursing. So it can't be the whole session because then that wouldn't be OT. So I teach it as about for a maximum 25, 30% of a session, which means it's only like three to five minutes of a 30 minute session. Right. It's so exciting that it is filtrating into the medical, the medical community and the medical world. I, I interviewed Mar Marjorie Woolacott. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Not long ago. And, and she was talking about bringing prayer into medical school and meditation. And they're actually bringing that to some of the medical students, you know, in, in certain universities. And uh, I just, that, that's so, so exciting. 
Marjorie is so famous when the first time I ever went to the International Association of Near-Death Studies annual conference, I sat right behind her and I had no idea who she was. Yeah. And she turns around and I'm an OT, she's a, P a physical therapist, and it turned out to be Marjorie Wolcott. And I'm like, all right, because she's written so many books on rehab and she's very important. And it's yeah. just, you know, it was life synchronicities that we were sitting right behind each other. Right. Wow. Yeah, she she was amazing because she's, you know, Miss Scientist like you, like your past. And she had a meditation experience with her sister and it changed her entire life. But anyway, yes. that's, that's another topic. So, um, but thank you so much for that. So the other day I was listening to an interview and the topic of the, the topic was, so what's the point? What's the point of all of this? you know, of being on this earth, earthly realm, when we know just how wonderful it is in the afterlife. So, so Bill, what's the point? <laughs> I think the secret meaning of life is to, to be able to grow into the wisdom of discerning how to take all that you know to be true of yourself, good, bad, and indifferent, and employ it in a manner that is going to not only work to your advantage in terms of your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being, but also to be of service to others. I so fully there, agree. There's a blessing that I say before I do anything. And part of it is, um, please, please allow us to be of service to one another so that we in turn may be of service to others through all that we have been, all that we are presently, and all that we are becoming. And that word becoming, I think, connotes the opportunity to continue to expand and evolve. That was masterful. Yes. Way to go, Bill. Do you have anything to add, Becky? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, well, what about learning lessons here and then going back? Well, let's talk about reincarnation. What have you, what have you learned about reincarnation, Becky? Oh, brother. <laughs> this is this is a subject I'm not as well versed on. Um, I do I believe people do reincarnate. They can reincarnate. We can come back as a variety of um, humans, uh, possibly animals. Although that's sort of questionable. Um, for a while, I wanted to come back as a tree. I love trees, and um, I would say Bill is the master answer person to ask this question about. Well, I don't know that I'm the, the master answerer to the question. Um, I don't know that anyone could be, to be honest with you. And again, like the, the dying and transitioning process, I don't think that reincarnation is necessarily one size fits all either. I think that it is a very, probably the, the decision to reincarnate correlates with the degree to which you have evolved. So it 
it, it, it's, it may be at some point early on in the life of your soul that it is a decision that is made for you, like a good parent would make a decision for what is in the best interest of the child. But then I think as you grow and mature spiritually and your soul evolves, you're in a, probably in a better position to make those decisions and choices on your own. I can't say that everyone absolutely reincarnates. I think that for most of us, it probably makes sense when we get to where we're going and we are able to reflect objectively, not only on the life that we just came off of, but the series of existences prior to the life that we just had. And as Becky alluded to, there are other ways of existing other than being human. And I will also go so far as to say that includes um, ways of being in other dimensions or in other worlds other than planet Earth. So I think that there are unlimited possibilities for uh, ways to experience the universe. And all of that contributes to what God gets to experience through us. Bill, you are so smart. Like, it is so fun being here with you. You know, when we were talking about, or I'm listening to you talk about reincarnation, it reminded me of a past life that I did have, which we can call reincarnation or not or whatever. And I wrote about this in, in Changemaker. And it was, it was a, a, like a classic past life regression. And I was 18 years old and I was a male and I was in Egypt and I was a scribe for a fellow uh, that was in charge of all these slaves. And it was a long time ago. And he wanted me to, to um, change the, the reporting of what his, his staff had, um, had grown. And I said, no, I'm not gonna change this because he didn't wanna pay taxes or whatever. I said, no, I'm not gonna change this. And so then the next vision I had, I was in, in the Aya flying and I had these two angels on either side of me. And, and I realized I was still alive. I'm like, oh, wow, this is sort of interesting. And so I'm you know, flying with these angels and I looked down and there was a, um, a scaffold and and there was a man hanging on this scaffold and it was me and it was ever since then ever since then i've never been afraid of dying well actually i wasn't afraid of dying the first time i met david because i'm like shoot i can't wait to go visit my brother but it has been very interesting to not been af be afraid of passing. As Bill was saying, we can live a variety of lives, whether we choose it or somebody else chooses, chooses it for us in the very beginning. But it's a wonderful feeling to know that, that life continues and that we are eternal. Go for I it. just want to piggyback on that just br briefly. Sure. Um, one of the very powerful dreams that I had very early on as I was really in, investing a lot of time an effort into uh, awakening and reclaiming a, a sensitivity within me that had been dormant is I was, um, well, I don't wanna get into a whole big long story, but what I, what I experienced within the context of the dream was a transformation from my human form into another form. And the, the thing that was the takeaway is that I was still me, I still, was 
I still had my same thought processes and I still knew myself as myself. And so I think that's part of maybe the fear that people have of dying is that their identity will be nullified or erased in some manner. And the, my opinion and my experience is the exact opposite is the case. And it's so comforting for those who have been left behind. Yep. You will still be you. Yes. Yes. And you will still know yourself and recognize yourself. Right. It, it was interesting. I was um, another interview, um, a medium that can actually see, she doesn't really like to use the word spirit, but see, um, I forget the word she likes to use, but is she can actually more of an ethereal body, you know? And so it's not I think that many people have an idea that you're just smoke or something like that, but there really actually is a form. And which brings us to our next question. Let's, what have you learned what souls do? And, and by the way, I'm using the word heaven just because that's, that's the word I grew up with. I mean, you can use many different, you know, you, the light or whatever you may. Um, what do souls do in heaven? What have you, what have you learned about that? Bill? Well, it, it ain't floating on a cloud popping bonbons, I can tell you that. Um, there's a lot, a lot of activity uh, that goes on over there. And again, I've only been privy to sort of general impressions. I think there's a lot more there than um, what I've been able to discern. But uh, lots of activity going on in terms of um, being part of a what we would consider a soul group. I alluded to it a few moments ago when we were talking about ex-husbands and ex-spouses and so on. But um, a soul group, I think there's lots of role-playing types of activities. I think that there are lots of um, uh, energy um, uh, uh, types of activities where you are um, in solitary or with a group sort of uh, creating and then shifting and changing. Uh, I, I think that there are, uh, what I've seen is what looks like a massive university campus. Um, so I think that there are all sorts of um, opportunities to, to grow and learn to and to evolve and possibly to prepare for the next incarnation. Right. I totally agree. And, and I'd like to expand on that a bit when when people that I know pass, one of my very first, my very favorite questions is to ask them, how is it? How is it? And so when my dad passed, I said, hey, dad, how is it where you are? And my dad was always one to be doing all sorts of projects. And dad said, Becky, I can do anything I want. There's innumerable, there's a, a number, there's, 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 more, there's more avenues than I can even think of. I can go in whatever direction I want. And so then he stopped talking and I'm like, so what are you going to do? And he said, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be. And it was such a magnificent answer. I'm like, oh dad, cause I had never seen him just being. Now, when my mom passed, mom had 13 years of sciatic pain and she was in, she was had chronic pain and it was bad. You know, it was so hard to see your loved one just inundated with this chronic pain. And so when mom passed, I didn't hear from her for about six months. 
And one day my husband was doing a puzzle and I looked at this puzzle and mama always did puzzles. And so I'm looking at this puzzle and all of a sudden in my head, I hear mom and it was her voice. And she says, the piece goes right there. And I'm like, oh, mom, how are you? And she's very focused. The piece goes right there. And so we tried the piece. It didn't exactly fit. But ever since then, mom's been very, very communicative. And, and what I think happened to mom because I've, I've, of course, read hundreds of books about the afterlife now and all of this, is I really do believe that there are healers in the afterlife that people decide they want to have as a job, you know, and they can decide to do this for as long as they want, and they want to help people heal. And so it took mom, I believe, about six months for her to have her chronic pain and all the emotional trauma that that provided healed. And now she comes around all the time. And she she loves birds. And it's often very um, fun for me to tap into an energy of a bird that may be my mom. As Bill was saying, sometimes he says, you know, a butterfly is just a butterfly. Well, sometimes a bird is just a bird. But when when animals come very close to us that not they don't normally have that type of behavior. And a lot of times these birds will come very close to me and I'll check into them and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll open my heart and I'll open my mind is this mom? And it would be mom. And so she comes very frequently as a bird and will stay there for a very long time. So it's really quite fascinating. I also, as Bill was saying, have heard from number of folks about the universities that are there. So really, it's a huge amount of things that can happen when when we pass, depending upon what we want to do. I, th I think also part of the fear that people may have uh, in the the dying and transitioning process is not only the loss of identity, but leaving behind um, not just people, but things, you know, like their, their lives work or their possessions or things like that. And what I have learned is that you, you can take it with you. <laughs> you can, because when, you can't. You can, because <laughs> when you get there... <laughs> It's all at your fingertips, as Becky was alluding, uh, the experience with her dad. Um, so what I have seen is that, you know, time travel is possible because you're absent, your physical form. And so it, it's more of a, a mental, emotional, um, vibrational, color, music sort of state of being. And just by thinking of where you want to be, what you want to be doing, um, there are, as Becky's dad said, there are unlimited, endless possibilities of where you can be, what you can be doing, what you can be experiencing. I've been shown, you know, a, 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 an enormous circular library with books up as high as you can see. And it's kind of like the, the books in the Harry Potter movies where, you know, you can make a withdrawal. It's, I'm sure it's all metaphoric in ways that we can understand it, but you know, the pages move. I mean, the pictures move on the page. You can insert yourself into it as well. So you could be standing there watching the battle at Gettysburg, for example. You can be an observer, or you could also blend or braid your energy temporarily with any one of the participants so you are experiencing it from their perspective, from their emotions, from their physicality and what's going on. So again, the possibilities are endless. Bill, that is, 
that is so excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, when you're, I love your your use of braiding the energy. Like that to me is so very clear. Well, when <laughs> it's I'm great. Sorry, I've had people say that's the closest thing to sex. There <laughs> is this sort of this this mashup, this this blending or this braiding of energy, and it's like. <laughs> You know, putting somebody's blanket on yourself or over yourself and then knowing everything there is to know about that person yeah. just by putting on their blanket. Sounds great. Interesting. When um when um I when I go to the International Association of Near-Death Studies, which is a wonderful group of 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 professionals and educators and researchers and people that are and and uh and medical folks that that are absolutely promoting the fact that near-death experiences are lie, are real. Near-death experiences are real. And a major premise is that our brain is separate from consciousness. And, you know, as a, um, as a, as a medical professional, I always thought that consciousness was part of my brain. But when people flatline and they still have these near-death experiences where they're in another reality or experiencing what Bill and I are talking about, the consciousness is separate from our physicality. And it's so interesting to actually believe that, acknowledge it, and experience it. Well, the soul or the spirit is what animates the body. And then absent the, the soul, then the body seats, ceases to function and animate. Right. Well said, as always. I'm very excited about that conference this year because um, I'm having a panel um, talking about how we can use the wisdom we've gleaned from NDEs to help our ch children not be so fear fearful. That's awesome. To live in love, you know, and not not so much fear. So let's briefly, Becky and then Bill, um, talk about because I know we'll talk about this a lot more in your in your one on one interview. But how can one connect with a loved one? Can you give a few just a few tips? Sure. I find it so empowering to teach people that they can communicate directly with their loved ones. Mm -hmm. You can also use mediums and psychic mediums as excellent Bill is, you know, it's, it's, a, yes. it's a wonderful, wonderful skill that Bill has. I also think that we can learn how to do it ourselves. And for me, we do need, I do encourage people to do some type of meditation so that we can relax ourselves so that we can receive information. So somehow we need to relax ourselves. And Bill was talking about how he does that as his process to relax ourselves so that we can receive. Because our mind is so predominant on this earth that we need to let go of the mind and be able to receive hot scented information. So first of all, we need to somehow relax ourselves, whether it's meditation or whatever. I, I did not know that I was meditating for four months and all I was doing was breathing deeply. You know, that's all I was doing. And then the shaman that I was learning from said, Becky, you know, you're meditating. And I had no idea. And so for me, all I do is recommend that people or one of the ways to do it is to recommend that people breathe in peace and release any type of nervousness they may have. Breathe in harmony and release any type of anxiety 
and I'm saying it fast. I usually right. do it much slower. And then breathe in love and surround ourselves with love. Surround ourselves with love. Be, allow ourselves to receive love, to share love, to send a, put a white light of love all around us. And then at that point to ask, because we do need to ask in order to receive, because we all have guides. What I believe is we all have guides that are available to us. And we can ask our guides to come to us. We can ask our loved ones to come to us. And we may not receive a picture. We may not receive a verbalization. We might receive um, a sign. We might receive, receive maybe our, uh, uh, our cheek might feel like we've got a little, uh, a little touch on the cheek or, or we may see a vision and to believe to believe that that is who we ask for. And that belief is the trick because you're going to think that can't be what I asked for. But if we can believe it, share love and express gratitude, express thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I love being able to communicate with you. Thank you very much. And that increases the, the um, ability for signs, symbols, and communication to occur. In the fall, I teach a seven week after death communication course. How do you communicate with your deceased loved ones? And I did a, I did a post course survey at the end of this seven week course in um, 2020. Right, so it was just last fall, sorry. So it was in 2020 and 100% of the people that completed this post-course survey said they believe they could receive and share communication from their deceased loved ones. And that is exactly what I was looking for. And it's been so exciting for people to be able to continue that connection. So like my brother who passed 26 years ago, I still have a relationship with him. It's a different relationship, but I'm still communicating with him and my dad and my mom and my uncle and people that I don't even know. And it really is quite um, exciting and filled with love. I feel like that it's so important. I mean, if it's important to the individual, but it just becomes part of your life. Yes. And it's, it's a wonderful, actually, it's just part of your life. I mean, every day I, I do those things and, and think about that. What about you, Bill? I have found that when, and my process is a little bit different from Becky, although similar, but I also tend to suggest to people that they wait a year before they connect with someone who has passed on. And, and oftentimes that's because when people are seeking out a psychic medium, there tends to be um, an immersion in a, a grief process. And, and oftentimes I have found, at least for me, that the grief begets a desperation and the neediness that creates a blockage. And so Becky, Becky's comment about in, um, helping to educate and inform people, you need to relax your mind. You have to relax your mind. But I have had people's loved ones come forward on a regular basis who say to them, you don't need this man to talk to me. So I get put out of a job frequently with them <laughs> saying, you know, you can connect to me on your own. Exactly what Becky was saying. Now, 
the, the lay person tends to need um, a device or a tangible way to do that. So I always recommend saying a little prayer or a blessing first, as Becky was suggesting, so that you're covered, you're protected, and you exponentially increase the likelihood that what you'll be receiving is going to be authentic and not your imagination. And then I also recommend that they do a, a, a few other things, maybe call up a happy memory of a happy time with that loved one, that they maybe um, have a picture that they're looking at of the loved one, or um, actually the loved ones will also call out and they'll say, you know, you have my watch or you have my pearl necklace. And I always say to them, well, why don't you sit with that object and just hold it? Because their energy is all over it, especially if they're, you know, metal fittings and, the, you know, the watch has a metal band or something. Mm -hmm. And um, it retains their energy. And so there's another vehicle by which people who, again, maybe are a little uncertain or a little bit uncomfortable can have something tangible as an entree into this process and this experience. And I've always thought of my job as working myself out of a job. Right. Right. Bill, you will never work yourself out of a job because you are extraordinarily excellent at this. <laughs> and I think, Bill, just to follow up with that, um, I do know that personally, I've had, um, I had a lot of connection within the first year. So I think it once again, as you've said about everything, it's so individual, you know, yes. and I think that it is very helpful when you, even though you're grieving to, to think about a happy memory or to hold something that, yes. that it is possible, um, even, even soon after, but it's just very, very individual. Do you agree with that? Do I agree yes. with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. It's, it is on that same concept. It's so amazing and validating to even with someone in this life that maybe you don't know to, to um, if you're, if you're interested in, in seeing how well you can feel energy to have something like Bill was saying, a piece of jewelry or watch or whatever, and you have no idea who this person is and you hold on to it and you go to a relaxed place, you know, in your mind and in your soul, and you can actually receive an incredible amount of information, which you just need to say to your, your partner, well, I'm, I'm feeling that you, you know, whatever it is, you're married or you have two children or you live alone or whatever. And it's so amazing. You can pick up the energy frequencies from the jewelry or from the photo or from the object, whatever it is that's, you know, that has been part of your loved one's life. Wait, isn't that, is that psychometry? It is. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you two wonderful friends, we need to wrap it up, but I'd like for you to share any anything that you'd like to. Maybe I didn't ask a question or you have a few words of wisdom. Well, <laughs> I need to interject because I've been getting a lot of strokes from Becky throughout <laughs> our time together today. And um, she knows that I love and adore her very much. And I am so grateful that she and I have been able to um, reunite in a, in a new understanding and in a different capacity. So that's been a real treat. But I do wanna stress that for me, I, I want to remain humble and I never take credit for what it is that I do because I firmly believe it doesn't come from me, it comes through me. So I just wanted to qualify uh, 
how how I'm feeling about all of that. Um, and uh, but I, I give credit to God for um, anything that that I may be able to do. Yes, beautiful. Do you have any any words of wisdom that that you'd like to share? Well, first of all, Bill, I think you deserve every single bit of joy and expertise that you have. And I totally agree that it's not us. You know, it doesn't come from us. It comes from above. And the fact that we can connect and each one of us can learn to connect with love, with the oneness, with the connectedness, with whether we call it God, the divine Allah, whoever we call it, we can all access this source. I am you know, it, it's just an absolute phenomenal experience. And way to go, Mala, for having this wonderful program. Like the amount of people that you have and the quality of your questions and your organizational skills are spectacular. So thank you so much for inviting myself and Bill to your wonderful program. And it's just a blast being here. So thank you very, very much. You are so very welcome. And so if someone wants to reach out, we'll start with you, Becky. If someone wants to find you and find out more about your work, where, how would they do that? Email is the best, and it's becky at rebeccaostelclausen.com, which I realize is quite the name. So it's becky, B-E-C-K-Y, at I-E-B-E-C-C-A-A-U-S-T-I-L-L-C-L-A-U-S. E-N, RebeccaOstelClausen.com, no hyphens, no spaces or anything, but that's, that's a great way to get me. Great. And that will be in the show notes also. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. And what about you, Bill? <laughs> uh, WilliamStillman.com uh, tells all about me and my work and my books. And also if people want to, if, you, if your listeners are uh, Facebook people, they can check out my Facebook page at William Stillman Psychic Medium. And every morning I put up an original inspirational quote that I get in my prayers and meditation time, usually when I'm on my walks and I match an image to go with it. And a lot of people seem to uh, enjoy having a little something to uh, reflect upon to start their day. Absolutely. Bill, your Facebook post is excellent. So I encourage folks to do that and get this inspirational quotes. And my my um, website is also my name, RebeccaRostelClausen.com. Thank you for that, Bill. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This has been mm -hmm. this Thanks has for so us. much fun. And we'll have to do it again sometime. You're great, Mala. Thank you so very much. So take care of yourselves and we'll we'll be in touch soon. Thanks, Marla. Thank Lots you. of love, always Thanks, and Becky. forever. Thank you, Bill. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.